Welcome to the Oncology Data Advisor Fellows Forum. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by Dr. Richa Thaker, who is a palliative care physician and a hematology oncology fellow at Zucker School of Medicine at Hofstra Northwell Health. Dr. Thaker, thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So would you like to introduce yourself and share what your work focuses on? Uh, of course. So my name is Rachel. I'm a first-year Hemonc Fellow at Northwell. And before I started my Hemonc Fellowship, I also did a fellowship in palliative care. And because I've done both of these, it's part of what my research interest is. And I really am interested in quality of life um, improvements in patients with hematologic malignancies. Usually most palliative care uh, research focuses on cancer patients with solid tumors because the trajectory of their disease is much easier to predict. But with hematologic malignancies, most of the time you're going for a curative intent. And so it becomes much more difficult to incorporate palliative care, even though we know how great palliative care can be in this population. Right. So what is the current need for palliative care education for oncology clinicians and specifically for fellows? I would say it's very, um, there's significant amounts of need. So typically with uh, oncologists, about 80% work outside of an NCI designated cancer center or an academic institution. So most of these are oncologists that work in the community and are really taking care of the bulk of patients with cancer in the country. And these are patients that usually would not have access to a specialty trained palliative care physician very easily because of geographical barriers too. So for an oncologist to at least be very good at managing primary, at least some secondary palliative care needs is really essential. And I think having fellows do more rotations in palliative care um, rotations would only be beneficial to making them better oncologists. Definitely. Um, How do you approach palliative care in your practice? So I think it's definitely changed since I started Hemonc Fellowship. Obviously, when I was a palliative care fellow, I only had to focus on palliative Mm -hmm. care. Um, as a Hemonc fellow, the way I incorporate it is, um, it really depends on patient to patient, but generally within the first two to three visits of seeing the patient, I try to do a full palliative care assessment on them. And to me, that includes doing a good social history, basically addressing advanced care directives and also a symptoms assessment, which I don't do at just the beginning, but at every single visit. Mm -hmm. And then obviously as they're their disease trajectory changes, I would readdress goals of care and advanced care planning throughout um, throughout their treatment course, basically. Right. Um, are there any barriers to accessing palliative care for patients? Uh, unfortunately, there are quite a few. So I think one of the biggest barriers we have is just access to good palliative care needs for most of our cancer patients. And Having oncologists that are trained in palliative care will not only help this, but also um, make it easier for future, uh, like the future generation of physicians to refer to palliative care more easily. Right. A couple of the other barriers I've also noticed too are, um, it's just a lot of misperceptions about palliative care. And unfortunately, this isn't just with our patient population, it's with other medical staff members, including nursing, other physicians, and even some oncologists. How do you um, go about approaching these barriers? So I think one of the biggest things about just the misperceptions is trying to frame everything when you present it to a patient as how it could help them. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes patients think that palliative care means only end of life. And to be honest, palliative care um, is really applicable from the time of diagnosis for these patients. 
They help with complex medical decision-making, symptomatology, and making sure that patients know that they are here to address them throughout the full course of their illness, as well as like get full treatment can only help. And one of the best tools I've found to help frame this for patients is a really good analogy. And um, I, I did send that paper in, so hopefully you guys can read it. It's about uh, describing palliative care as an umbrella. So the way I approach this with patients is I tell my patients, you know, when you have cancer, there's a lot of negative things that can happen, even when we're treating you well. And some of these can be side effects from your chemotherapy and your treatment, and other things can just be side effects of the cancer growing. And if you think of this as rain, one of the best tools you have to help rain is an umbrella. And the best time to actually bring in an umbrella is not when you're outside in the rain, but it's to have it before. Mm -hmm. And so calling, calling palliative care earlier on is the best way to make sure that these patients have the tools they need and are able to access it early on before their symptoms burden um, is so significant that they're not able to tolerate their treatment anymore. Absolutely. That's a great analogy. Thank you. So are there any resources you'd recommend for anyone who's interested in learning more about palliative care, both for the clinicians themselves, as well as resources they can share with patients? Absolutely. So I would say there's a couple of um, resources that I would recommend for clinicians that are just starting out. So AHPM always has a ton of good modules and other resources and links that you can look at, as well as CAPC. And so going through those modules at the beginning would really be a great way to get some basic uh, introductory skills in not only symptom management, but also complex medical decision-making, advanced care planning. And um, on top of that, especially with a lot of um, the oncology fellows, we often have patients with significant symptoms. And so using the Jerry Powell podcast, as well as Fast Facts from Wisconsin is really helpful. So oftentimes, you know, we're very familiar with using the first or second line treatments for nausea, for example, but not all fellows know that you can use aromatherapy or Zyprexa. And um, one of the things I would recommend if you have a patient with these symptoms is go to FastFax and search for the symptom they have, and they'll walk you through the first, second, third, and fourth line treatments. Mm -hmm. And at least this way, you don't have to wait for them to see a palliative care physician. You can already start the next line of treatment, and um, that way their symptoms are better improved as they go on. For patients, um, I would recommend there's another website called Compassion Support that really talks a lot about palliative care and what resources they have to offer for their patients as well, too. Great. It sounds like some really helpful resources. Um, so finally, what are some of the opportunities that Hemong fellows can look for at their institution if they want to get a better understanding of palliative and hospice care? So I think some of the most obvious ones that most residents and fellows would want to do is both an inpatient and an outpatient palliative care rotation. Um, usually the majority of trainees will just do the inpatient rotation where they would get good access to advanced care planning and then also some symptom burden. But if you're really interested in oncology, um, outpatient palliative care is very, very different. And that's much closer to what I do as an oncology fellow with my patients every day. So making sure you have both those options is really important. Um, another benefit I have at my institution because I've been so lucky is also a palliative care unit. So this is a pretty rare um, opportunity that I've had, but there are about 100 palliative care units across the country. So as a fellow, if you're nearby one, I would really encourage you to rotate at one of these um, units. And the way you think about a palliative care unit is it's basically a palliative care ICU. And what that means is there's patients with very significant symptom burdens that require inpatient admission for titration of opioids or antiemetics or 
some other really significant um, symptomatology. And by being able to work at one of these units, you'll be able to get a much better understanding of how to take care of these symptoms. Mm -hmm. um, the last rotation, I think all oncology fellows really should do, because this was one of my favorite rotations during palliative care, was actually an outpatient hospice rotation. Um, unfortunately, as palliative care fellows, you do majority of your rotations inpatient, right? But having that balance of seeing what a hospice institution was like was really helpful for me to describe hospice to my patients. Um, and especially as an oncology fellow, what I've noticed is most of the time when we discuss hospice, oncologists don't really know what hospice looks like in the home because we're not the ones that are driving um, house to house with different interdisciplinary team members. And being able to do this rotation and seeing how well patients are taken care of in their home will really help you as an oncologist reframe what you think of hospice. And so oftentimes uh, oncologists think hospice is giving up on treatment, but it's really, when you see what it's like in the home and how much these patients benefit, it's really switching the approach of your treatment from like a, like a chemotherapy approach to a very symptom-directed approach. and that um, rotation is probably, I think, the most valuable rotation any fellow could do. Definitely. Um, this is all really great information. So thank you so much for coming on today and sharing all of it. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm, it's been a pleasure to be here with you guys.